good morning. You guys are having a blast. Hey, let me me just give you a quick update on something that I shared with you a couple weeks back. For those of you that were here, the last time I spoke, I introduced you to a guy named Chuck. I don't know if you guys remember Chuck or not, but uh, just real quick for those of you that weren't here, Chuck was one of the guys that I worked with uh, when I started my first job when I was 17, and Chuck was just what we call burnt. Chuck was out there. Um, Everything was just, you know, so super cool dude. And Chuck had his own band, Padded Cell, rocked Southern Illinois. So in any case, um, Chuck and I, years didn't see or hear from each other, and I heard then through the grapevine that Chuck got saved, which, you know, that's just one of those, if God can save Chuck, God can save anyone. Not only did Chuck get saved, but when I found out, you know, that he was saved, reached out to him, what are you doing? I'm an associate pastor down in Tennessee. (laughs) What? Oh, my goodness. God restored all the burnt brain cells that Chuck destroyed. So, we are, let me fast forward, I told you guys about Chuck. We are at the Baptist Church for our community service, and we were done, and Pastor Mike had asked me to dismiss, and so I prayed, and when we were done, I'm walking down the middle aisle, and this little lady comes walking at me. She's little, and I look at her, and I said, Wanda? And she said, John? It's Chuck's mom. <laughs> Chuck's mom's at the community service. She doesn't go to church there. She was at the community service. And so we just kind of reconnected, and I said, Wanda, I've been able to brag about your son recently, and she said, well, Chuck's coming home for Thanksgiving, and she said, could I have your number, and I said, yeah, absolutely, and what I didn't know is I'd forgotten Chuck and I had been in contact a couple years back, well, I left his number in my phone, so here I am then Saturday morning, uh, trying to think this was after Thanksgiving, Saturday morning, my phone rang, and I looked, and it said, Chuck Hawkins, and I said, I answered the phone, and I said, you've got to be kidding me. And he's like, what's up, man? What's up, brother? It's so good to hear from you. And so anyway, I don't know if it'll come to pass, but Chuck asked me, you know, about church and how things were going, and he said, if all goes well, I'm going to come back and see mom for Christmas. He said, and if it goes well, I want to come visit you and your church on Sunday, the 18th, which is next Sunday. So we'll see. Uh, you know, things come up, and there is a lot of sickness going on, and, and uh, I, it would just be good to see him and uh, let you guys kind of see Chuck. <laughs> yeah, it was crazy. I'm in prayer on Monday morning and uh, reading through and just talking to the Lord, and God said, hey, uh, go ahead and get something ready. I said, okay, yes, sir. So I start taking some notes and didn't, didn't question anything, came in and sat down and started doing office work. And about 1130, pastor came in and said, hey, you want to speak? <laughs> I said, uh, yeah, I, I think so. And so here I am this Sunday, pastor, thank you for the opportunity. We are in the Christmas season. I would feel remorse if I didn't share a little bit this morning of 
the account of the birth of Jesus given to us from Matthew. So if you will, in your Bibles this morning, turn to Matthew chapter 2. We are given two great accounts of the birth of Jesus from two different perspectives. The more popular and my personal favorite is in Luke chapter 2. And this is the account of uh, Joseph and Mary and the birth and the shepherds. And so if you want the shepherd's account and the uh, host of, of angels proclaiming glory to God in the highest, you'll find that in Luke 2. In Matthew 2, we find the account of the wise men. And so I'd like to share with you this morning a message titled, A Different Way. And we are in Matthew chapter 2. So please bear with me. We're going to read a few verses from Matthew 2. I just love Christmas. Now when Jesus, verse 1, now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? We have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. When Herod the king had heard these things, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered, verse 4, all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he demanded of them where Christ should be born. And they said, in Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet. And that is in Micah, if you guys take notes. Verse 6, and thou Bethlehem in the land of Judah art not the least among the princes of Judah, for out of thee shall come a governor that shall rule my people Israel. Then Herod, when he had privily called the wise men, inquired of them diligently what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and search diligently for the young child. When you have found him, bring me word again that I may come and worship him also. He's lying. Verse 9. When they heard the king, they departed, and lo, the star which they saw in the east went before them, till it came and stood over where the young child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. And when they were coming to the house, they saw the young child with Mary his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures they presented unto him gifts gold and frankincense and myrrh and being warned of God in a dream verse 12 that they should not return to Herod they departed into their own country another way now when it comes to the wise men uh, also known as the magi there are probably more questions than answers we are given a little sneak peek into their life and their quest. But there are questions that we have that are just not able to be answered. How many wise men were there? And I talked about this a few months back. We always say three and we sing the song, We Three Kings, and I love that song. But really there's no mention of the number of wise men. We get the number three because later they gave him three gifts. But we don't know. It, there could have been 70 wise men, and they just gave these three gifts that we'll talk about later. How large was their entourage? You know, sometimes we just see them in our mind. We just see these few kings coming into Jerusalem. But we really don't know. I was reading this week, there could have been cooks and servants and guards that traveled with these very important men. Uh, so it could have been a large entourage. I kind of think that it was because verse 3 we read that Jerusalem was all worried and troubled when they came. 
Well, three or four people probably wouldn't cause a stir in the size of Jerusalem, but maybe a company of 60 or 70, you know, this caravan coming in, what is going on? What country were they from? Well, we're just told the east. Good enough for us. How did they first find the star? You know, I don't know how long they'd been looking at this thing, how long they'd been studying, how, how many years of preparation had gone into what they were ready to find. We, we don't know. How long did they stay in Jerusalem? What time in the process of the birth of Jesus did they actually arrive? And then one great question, whatever happened to them? We, we don't hear. We don't hear. So my objective this morning isn't to dive in and speculate into the unknown. Instead, I would like to discuss this encounter that the wise men had with Jesus and tell you how it relates to you, okay? So point number one. I'd like, to, I'd like for you to see that once the wise men encountered Jesus, things changed, okay? And what a great picture for us. Because when we encounter Jesus, things change. And I'm not just, boy, that sounded bad. I'm not referring only to salvation, okay? But there are times in my spiritual walk where I see Jesus in a different way than I've, ever, than I, than I've not seen him before. When my mom passed away, I saw him differently than I ever had before, okay? And an encounter with Jesus changes things. It changes me. I had to rely on him more as a comforter than I ever needed him before. And maybe you're walking through something that, that, that necessitate, uh, necessitates comfort. Maybe you're walking through something that requires a healing. You know, you don't know Jesus as firsthand number one healer until you're walking through a situation in which you need him. Maybe you are in lack, you're in need. You're going to see Jesus as a provider more than you ever had before when you had abundance. And so an encounter with Jesus changes things. Number one, I see in the wise men what changed is they fell down in verse 11 and they worshiped him. I think their worship changed. Now, I don't know what kind of culture they had in the East. I don't know if this was common. But it's interesting when the presence of Jesus came into their life. The Bible says they fell down. <laughs> and what a great, great picture we have. There are, there are just times that I've, I've seen here where we're in worship and maybe somebody will work their way to the front. And the anointing is so strong the presence of God is so strong in their life, they just don't even feel like being upright before a holy, mighty, loving, caring God. And they just fall to their knees. And I see this of the wise men. Here they come into the place where Jesus was. And the Bible says, they fell down. They didn't say, hello, nice to meet you. I am such and such from wherever. They fell down. And they worshiped him. And I thought, there are other situations that we're able to see in the Bible where people show us a very keen uh, picture of worship. Do you guys remember Mary 
in John chapter 12, verse 3. The Bible tells us, Mary therefore took a pound of very expensive ointment made from pure nard and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair and the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. And remember, Judas and others were like, well, what? Why this waste? Why this show? Jesus has said before in his teaching, to whom... If you're forgiven much, you love much. Now, I've been forgiven everything. Everything, I hear pastors say it a lot. Everything that I have done, I've been forgiven. But the good news is, because I am called by the name of Jesus and I stand with him in front of me, the Father sees him. The Father doesn't see me. And I'm gonna make mistakes And there'll be consequences from those mistakes, but I won't stand before a loving, holy God one day and he will judge me according to my mistakes because my mistakes have been paid for. And Mary Mary knew that. And so here she is giving everything to a loving God. I think of David, which, man, Pastor, you know, you mentioned about David and, and his life. What a fascinating life. What a fascinating character he is. But I think of when the ark came into Jerusalem. And David wanted the ark in Jerusalem because that represented the presence of God. And the Bible says that when the ark came in, that he danced before the Lord. And you can read on. He didn't really care what others thought. It wasn't so much, well, I don't want to be a show. I don't want you to think that I'm weird. He didn't care. He didn't care. He didn't ask your opinion. He didn't ask those opinions there. He was so happy to have the presence of God back in Israel that in 2 Samuel it says he danced before the Lord with all his might. And then I think about, I think about an account that I think, Pastor, we could take weeks and weeks and weeks. I've heard you preach on Paul and Silas before. In, in, a Philipp, in a Philippian jail and after being wrongly accused and wrongly judged and, and beaten, they find themselves in the midst of a prison, hands and feet immobilized, bloody, and in a very, very, very unpleasant place. And look what it says in Acts 16.25. And at midnight... It represents the darkest time in your life. That's what midnight represents. It's the, just the, it doesn't get any more solace than that. At midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God and the prisoners heard them. What a great teaching there. People are watching you. People are observant of your life. And not just here on Sunday as you worship. Worship is a lifestyle. It's not a Sunday morning event. The prisoners heard them, their worship. It caused things to change where God got so excited up in heaven that he was tap dancing and an earthquake came and shook the jail and the doors opened. So the wise men were changed in the area of worship. And then probably the one that's most popular because we sing about it, The wise men, they changed in the area of giving. Now, something that I wonder. I wonder how much gold and frankincense and myrrh that they brought. 
And I wonder if they brought it all with the intention of giving it or with, with the intention of saying, well, we'll just see how things go. We'll, we'll, see, we'll see how I'm moved. You know, it's kind of like you, you might bring your tithe. I'm going to bring $100 for tithe. And you get there and you're like, well, you know, I might not give it all. Just kind of wait and see. I wonder if they had a wait and see mentality. I don't know. I'm just speculating. But I have this gut feeling that whenever they encountered Jesus, that their giving became all in. All skate, Jeff. Or all in. When they had opened their treasures, verse 11, they presented unto him gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. Gold was to represent kingship. Frankincense was used in worship. You could actually burn incense and frankincense was, that's where we get incense. And frankincense would fill, fill the, the room, the area with fragrance and with, with just this feeling. And myrrh was used to embalm or to um, anoint a body. And how fascinating it is that 33 and a half years before all of this took place, the wise men had already realized we are going to give gold and frankincense and myrrh. So what kind of pictures do we have in the Bible about giving? I love Zacchaeus. You guys know that I do. The Bible says in Luke 19.8 that after Jesus had an encounter or Zacchaeus had an encounter with Jesus, that Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, half my goods I give to the poor. And if I've defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. This was the first sermon that I heard that I saw the, the preacher he took out his wallet and he said, You want to know when God gets a hold of someone for real? They could care less about this. It doesn't become number one. Remember the rich young ruler? What must I do to be saved? And Jesus said, well, keep the commandments. Well, I've done all that my whole life. And Jesus just, let's just cut to the chase then, bud. Sell all you have, give the poor, follow me. Let's see where you are. And the Bible says he dropped his head and he went away sorrowfully. Because he wasn't willing to give that up. Giving becomes a part of your worship that things change. And Zacchaeus said, look, first of all, Jesus, I love the fact that you've acknowledged me. Uh, I, I get to spend the day with you. I've been waiting to see you and I feel changed. So I tell you what, half of everything I have, I'm gonna give to the poor. That's, I mean, it doesn't matter how much or how little you have. If you give half away, you only have half left. I'm not a math major, but I can tell you that. It, that that's a good a chunk that's, that's a good uh, portion. And then he said, if I've cheated anyone, I'm just going to give them four times as much as I've, I've cheated them. That's going to take a lot too because he cheated a lot of people. That's what he did. But God got a hold of his heart. How about the early Christians? Look at Acts 4, 34 and 35. There was not a needy person among them for as many as were owners of lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold and laid it at the apostles' feet. And it was distributed as the early church had need. Man, what a great, wonderful picture of when God changes me, I don't care near as much about the almighty dollar. Things are different. Giving is selfless 
and it requires a preparation to be uncomfortable. You have to be willing to be like, it might hurt. I might, I might be asked to give until it hurts. And that's okay. I'm willing to do that. Selflessness comes with giving. So we see that the worship changed in, in the life of the wise man. We see that giving has changed. And this is one that just blew me away this week. Never really looked at it until this week. Their understanding changed. Their perception changed. And I, I'm just going to tell you what God's laid on my heart. In verse 12, it says, And being warned of God in a dream, they should not return to Herod. They departed another way. Now, notice this. For however many months, years, they studied the star. They followed the sky. When things lined up, it got their attention. And God was working his, his majesty in, in the heavens. And he was orchestrating stars and telling things to happen. And they noticed the sign. They noticed this miracle. And it caused them to leave everything and travel and follow the star. But after they had an encounter with Jesus, the Bible says that God warned them and they heard his voice. Before you know Jesus, you might need something special. You might need something blingy. You might need an attention getter. God's over here trying to get your attention because you don't necessarily hear his voice yet. Why? Because you don't know him, okay? But once you come to a point where you are in relationship with Jesus, like the wise men, things changed. The Bible says they heard his voice. And they departed another way. I loved that. Uh, I, I thought of the woman at the well and how she's talking with Jesus, a Samaritan woman. What a great account in John chapter 4. But Jesus was just kind of being open with her and being very friendly and respectful, which was unheard of for a woman to get respect, especially then a Samaritan on top of that. Jesus was offering both. And what did she say in verse 19? Sir, I perceive that you're a prophet. What she was saying was, there's something different about you. I feel it in my spirit. My perception has changed. You were just a thirsty guy 10 minutes ago. Something is different now. I perceive that you're not like everyone else. John 10, 4, Jesus was speaking and he said, when he, the shepherd, has brought out all his own sheep, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for the sheep hear and know his voice. I don't even know how many years ago it was, Jen, somebody had shared with you about if someone's calling you a name or gossiping about you, saying something untrue about you, you don't have to acknowledge that. Okay. Uh, it would be like if I brought Aubrey up here and I told her to face that way and then I started going, Becky, Becky, yo, Becky. Aubrey has no um, intention to acknowledge my call because she's not Becky, <laughs> okay? 
So some, you know, how that such and such, they're just a liar. They're just a cheat. They're just no good. Look, if that's not you and you know it, then you don't have to acknowledge that, okay? And when God is calling you, you know his voice. And what does he call you? Blessed, child, highly favored, chosen, royal, holy. That's what he calls you. So you don't have to acknowledge that that the enemy or others call you. That's not true. We know God's voice. And so the wise men now were able to hear God say, don't go back through Jerusalem. It's the shortest way to get back home. Don't go back to Jerusalem. Which takes us to point number four. What changed about the wise men? Their obedience. Verse 12 said, being warned of God in a dream, they should not return to Herod. They departed into their own country another or a different way. Now, I totally realize that this verse was given to us to help describe their geographical location and how they traveled back home. But I think that God in his wisdom also looked and said, this is very pertinent to my children. Those that come to a saving knowledge of me and they know who I am and they get in relationship with me and they allow me to be Lord of their life and savior, they don't leave the same way they came. I heard you talking about, this sounds bad, I heard you sharing the story of Monica's conversion last night with Matt. She doesn't look the same these days. <laughs> and I didn't really even know you back then. But when God comes in, there's this stirring that happens. It wasn't pastor's job to change you. Definitely not mine because I wasn't around. It wasn't Neil's. God can do his job pretty well. And God changes. And we leave differently than how we came. Now, they had a free will. They could have said, no, I really like that restaurant back in Jerusalem. And I think God missed it on this one. So I think we're going to head back to Jerusalem. I think it'll be fine. Oh, you're just hearing things. You had something, you know, rough to eat before you went to bed. And you're imagining that God, you know, had this desire for us not to go back through Jerusalem. They could have. Well, I tell you what probably would have, had, would have happened. Herod would have found out and would have grabbed him and would have uh, not done nice things. He probably would have imprisoned them because he demanded of them earlier what time the star appeared. He told them, when you find the king of the Jews, come back and tell me that I may go worship him too. So by going back to Jerusalem, they were going to open up a whole big can of problems. But God said, don't go back to Jerusalem. Go back a different way. And even though they had a free will, they made the right decision. And blessings follow the right decisions. I wrote this down. I love it. Results follow 
obedience. But results follow disobedience, okay? Uh, I'm just so enamored right now in a lot of training videos and eating right and stuff like that. And this one trainer, he's had this real quick video and he wasn't very merciful. And he's like, don't come to me with your, well, I can't get into shape and I can't lose weight and I feel all sluggish. He said, you're making every decision to put anything in your mouth that you want to. You're making that decision. I'm not making it for you. So don't come whining to me because you don't feel good or you don't look good. This wasn't me. This was the trainer, okay? <laughs> don't look at me like, man, he's being hard. But this guy was like, it's your decision. Don't put it in your mouth. Because results follow obedience. They also follow disobedience. I, I want to tell a quick story on Neil. Uh, Neil, I just, I, I love this that, that Neil does if, if there's a situation happening here, Neil will just stop and say, actually, he won't even stop and say, he'll just stop and pray. He won't even say, can I pray with you? Like he's got his hand on my shoulder, his hand extended to me, and he's praying. And he prays this, God, let John hear your voice and, and then let him follow your plan. I love that. I love that. So how can we honor God? Well, I, I think of this, how can I, how can I honor pastor here being an employee of the church, okay? Pastor asked us to be here at a certain time. I can honor him by being on time. I can dishonor him by coming in when I want to. And then when he asks me about it, say, yeah, well, so? Life, you know? I, I need, pastor may say, hey, I need you to get these these reports ready. And then he comes in to get them. Got the reports? No, didn't. Oh, you didn't? Why not? Eh, just didn't get around to it. Didn't feel like it. Or this is a good one. I don't think it's a, it was a good idea to begin with, so I just decided not to do it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you guys are all laughing because you're, you're employees or you've been an employee before. That doesn't fly, okay? It just doesn't fly. But unfortunately, I think we do get a picture in our relationship with God that we can do that. God says, hey, I, I want you to, this is the, the, go this way, go this way. And then, did you go this way? No, just didn't. I didn't get around to it. I didn't feel like it. Just totally disagree with you. Thank you. You missed it, God. He still loves us. But guess what? Results follow obedience or disobedience. Pastor won't keep me around very long, I can tell you. And he's one of the most gracious, merciful people I know. But I won't have a job here all that long with that mentality. Rightfully so. I should be the best that I can be to honor my pastor. I should be the best that I can be to honor my God. Got a chance to go see Ryder play basketball this week. Uh, good game here in town. Ryder is like, what? Why are you bringing me up? Ryder, the first quarter, I don't know how much of that game you remember, okay? Probably all of it. None of it? First quarter, first quarter, I looked up at the scoreboard, and I think it was 11 to 2, okay? Still in the first quarter. 
And I bumped Jenny and I said, Ryder's got all 11. <laughs> and it was, it was interesting because I didn't feel like that it was because Ryder had taken 17 shots in the first quarter. Ryder just kind of worked in the offense and he had open shots and when he had them, he made them. So he had the first 11 points. And his coach is here this morning, at least one of his coaches, Kevin. So you get a chance to see Ryder quite a bit in practices, preparations for games. Ryder has a lot of talent. He has a lot of ability, physical, mental, has a good concept of the game. And I'm sure that is represented in Ryder's work ethic in the way that he comes to practice, in the way that he performs at practice. And you're a really nice guy. I, Kevin's a really nice guy. But even as the assistant coach, Kevin, is your, is your concept, your thought process of Ryder going to change a little bit if Ryder starts coming in with the attitude that I had just mentioned that I could have with Pastor about, yeah, I know practice is at four, I'll get there when I can, okay? I know we're supposed to be doing these drills, but I think it's really not necessary if you're wanting to know. I know I'm supposed to join in when the coach calls a timeout and listen to the huddle, but he's so boring. And there's other things I can be doing. Where's my phone? <sighs> Things are going to change. I may not see Ryder out on the floor near as much as I used to because the mentality and the readiness to hear the voice of the coach and obey is just the same for us. To hear the voice of the coach saying, you may need to leave a different way. I want to have a good attitude. And I want, like Isaiah, to say, here am I. I'm ready. Right, are you ready to go in? Yes, sir, coach. Right here, ready to go. Yes, sir. And I'll leave you with this this morning. We talked about the wise men. How does it affect you? Wise men still seek him. And God doesn't say you have to be wise. He wants you to be wise. And if you are, you'll seek him. That's awesome. Um, I pray that we all have ready hearts this morning um, to be open, to hear what he has to say to us, to hear his voice. God who rescues and restores, who heals, who sets our feet on solid ground, who transforms us, whose light is impenetrable to the darkness forever. We don't have to look far to find him. We no longer have to travel far. He came for us. He came near. He, the word, became flesh that man could see God face to face. He made this divine transformation for us that we could choose him, <laughs> choose life and love because he first chose us. Thank you, Lord. We don't have to look far to find you. 
you woke us up this morning. I thank you, God, that all for all who search for you find you.
said, you know, the book of James tells us that we need wisdom to ask. We tend to do that on a selfish side. We tend to need something. It's the same thing with seeking Him and having wisdom in your relationship with Him. Ask and He'll give it to you. How do I get closer to you? How do I follow you? How do I change? How do I do all this stuff? Then He talks to you, then He speaks to you, then he, you change. He gives you the wisdom. Father, we thank you that you give us and you, you've, you've, de you've designed it completely for us. And we thank you that all we have to do, like in the book of James says, if we need wisdom to ask, Father, we want to we want to be like the wise men. Seek you and then watch the change in our lives do automatically. And we thank you for it, Father. We give you all the praise today. And we thank you for your son, Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Deacon's meeting. Let's don't tarry. Let's get back so we're respectful for everybody back there so we can get the meeting over with and get on. Call you blessed. You are dismissed. <laughs>